If you want, you can churn to your Bibles in Job. I would be kind of surprised if you didn't think that would be where we'd be this week with the um, in the midst of suffering, where's God? And so um, that is where we are going to uh, be at today. Many of you guys have probably at least heard about this book, if not read this book. Um, we're just going to cover the first 20-ish chapters, and we're going to talk about, or 20-ish chapter, 20 verses. Trust me, we don't want to read 20 chapters. We'll never get out of here with me reading. Um, so we're going to cover the first 20 verses, and um, we want to talk about where is God in the midst of suffering. So this is one of the hardest questions to answer because when people are going through it, it's such a, such a hard thing to tell them that God is still in control. And so when we look at this world today, specifically our country, there are so many things that we ask, why is God allowing this? Mass shootings, riots, um, all, the, all the things people label us as. Um, because we're a Christian, we get labeled really a hate group, like we're, we're against all these things when that is not true. And when I say all those things like we hate gay people, we hate um, all these things, and that's not true. And if you're a Christian and you do hate those things, you better reread your Bible because we're supposed to love people through their things, these things. So um, God hates sin but we're still supposed to love, but we get labeled because we're a Christian because God tells us that we can't do certain things. And so we get talked about and we get names put on us. And so through, through everything that has been happening in this, in this country for the last year, year and a half specifically, we have seen a lot of things that have just went awry, a lot of things. Um, at my job, they actually brought up that I talk about church too much in a review, a job review. I don't ever talk about church at work unless it's brought to me, which is policy. So even getting attacked on small things like that, it's, it's just getting crazy and crazier and crazier and crazier. Um, I read a stat this week that eight hundred thousand suicides a year. Eight hundred thousand suicides a year. Just think about that number for just a minute. Eight hundred thousand. Because people don't know God. They do not know Jesus and the happiness he can bring. You, there'll be struggles for sure. Everyone's going to suffer. We know that. Like you're not going to live this perfect life all right, you can be this perfect person. We're going to read, not perfect person, but you can be the best. All right, we're going to read about Job, and we're going to see how in good standings he was with God, and then what happened. So we know that there is going to be suffering. 30,000 kids die a day that have treatable and have preventable diseases or starvation. So when I tried to do the math, I hope I figured it out right. I'm not sure, but that's 47 kids a second, or one kid for every 47 seconds. 
let that seek in for a minute. So we live in a place that there's a lot of suffering. And so that question comes up, where is God in the midst of the suffering? So that's week four. That's where we're at. We are in week four of Rooted. And so where is God in the suffering? That's a huge question. People say, if there is a God, why does he allow this to happen? Why, God, if you are so good, why do you allow these terrible things to happen? This question shipwrecks so many people in their beliefs in Jesus. How can a God that is so loving allow all this to happen? And we'll talk about this later, but you can point to the cross. Jesus had to die on the cross because this world is so messed up. When we think about all these things and where we're at, it's tough. And when people come to you and when a friend, kid dies of cancer, it's hard to answer that question, where is God in this suffering? And so hopefully through this and as we read, we'll be able to answer these questions a little better. So in Job chapter 1, verse 1, it says this. There was a man in the country of Uz named Job. He was a man of perfect integrity. Some translations say blameless and upright, who feared God and turned away from evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. His estate included 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large number of servants. Job was the greatest man among all the people of the East. Let us pray. Dear God, Lord, we thank you so much. Lord, we thank you that even in suffering, you're there. And Lord, I pray that as we go through this message and as we go through this week, Lord, that we can see your face. And Lord, know that you are in control. Lord, we just ask that as we um, continue to search for answers, Lord, that the only answer we'll seek is from you. Lord, I just pray that you continue to be with us. Lord, we love you and we thank you for all that you do. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So there's three things about suffering. All right, the first one is suffering is often undeserved. All right, so suffering is often undeserved. And we're going to look at this. So it says that this man, Job, was a, someone that was blameless and upright. All right, the Holman says that he was Per, he had perfect integrity. It doesn't mean he was a perfect person, but it was hard to find blame in him. All right? He had a whole bunch of kids, all right? Not as many as Ralph and Ann, but he had 10, all right? So he had 10 kids, which means what? That he was blessed. Like people saw that as a blessing from God and that God blessed him a lot. And then if you look in verse, cha verse uh, 3, it says that he had a lot of servants. So that means that Job was probably what? 
rich, all right? So he had a lot of money, all right? So all these things are going really good with Job. And then verse 5, it says, whenever a round of a banquet, whenever a round of banquet, banqueting was over, Job would send for his children and purify them, raising early in the morning to offer burnt offerings for all of them. For Job thought, perhaps my children have sinned, having cursed God and their hearts. This was Job's, or Job's regular practice. It's Job's. I knew I was going to do that. All right? You're welcome. All right? So he was a great parent. How many of us made a, makes a regular practice for us to pray and to do sacrifices? Obviously, we don't do that anymore, but for their children because they may have sinned. So he was a great, great guy, super good guy. He was very wealthy, but he's not deserving of what's about to happen. And in so many times in our lives, we go through things that we probably at that time didn't deserve. Now, if you guys have ever seen the Weather Channel and tornadoes are coming or there's storms coming and the weatherman's out there and he's, and he's trying to uh, do, a, do a report in the middle of a storm, if something would come and smack him, or her, as they're doing the report, we'd probably say, well, they deserve that. Why are they outside? But in this instance, Job did not deserve what's about to happen. Suffering is not prejustice. Everyone will go through this. Everyone will go through suffering. Sometimes tragedy happens not because we've done anything wrong, but maybe because we've done everything right and good. And that's hard to think through that. All right? Suffering is unexpected. Verse 6. One day the sons of God. Now, I want you guys, I want to stop there just for a minute. The sons of God is angels. Okay? Don't get caught up on that. But there's a lot that can go into that. But this specifically is talking about angels uh, came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came with them. The Lord asked Satan, where have you come from? And Satan says, from roaming through the earth and walking around it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? No one else on earth is like him, a man of perfect integrity who fears God and turns away from evil. Satan answered the Lord, does Job fear God for nothing? Haven't you placed a hedge around him? his household, and everything he owns. You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions are spread out in the land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything he owns, and he will surely curse you to your face. Very well, the Lord told Satan. Everything he owns is in your power. However, you must not lay a hand on Job himself. So Satan went out from the Lord's presence. There's a lot there to unpack. But one of the coolest things, I think, is the angel is sitting there with the angels, and he's roaming around, and, he, and God says to him, you can only go as far as I will let you. 
it says, the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Could you imagine doing everything right? Everything, you're, you're worshiping God, you're doing everything you're supposed to do, and God says, how about Job to Satan? Could you imagine being in that situation? Could you imagine living this amazing life and doing everything that you're supposed to be doing, and then God says, how about my servant Job? Maybe we don't see trouble coming into our lives, but God does. Nothing catches God by surprise. Remember, Satan can only go as far as God will let him. God is in control. When we lose our job, God is in control. When that family member gets cancer, God is in control. When we have these storms in our life, God is in control. Nothing surprises God. So sometimes suffering is unexpected. Suffering is often unimaginable. If you guys have been in my rooted or heard some stories, I tell this story a lot about a guy named Daniel Stonebreaker. Who here has heard of the 1977 Hollingburg Massacre? Anybody ever hear that? Several people? All right. So I'll fill you in on the story. So in 1977, Hollingburg Massacre, there were four kids. Uh, I say kids. One was 22. I believe one was 28, 19, and 17. It was over by Rockville or uh, Raccoon Lake. They came up. And they see a house that's got four cars in the driveway. So these four men slash boys think that these people are rich. And so they go into the home. And when they go into the home, they rob it. And these people are home. And so they get them all together. They put them on the ground. And they kill them. And the only one that survived is mom. She was the only one that survived. So knowing the people that committed this murder and learning about this family, I learned that this family had accepted Christ as their Savior. So we know where they are today. But they were doing absolutely nothing wrong. They were at home, in their house, getting ready for bed, and these four people come running in on them. They lay them on the ground and murder them. Something so unimaginable, but it happened. And so we ask the question, where is God in the midst of all this suffering? There was something that really, really cool happened through that. And it sounds so weird saying something really cool happened through four people, four young boys getting murdered. But it did. The greatest man in the East, he's rich, he's blessed by God, he's a good father. In chapter 2, if you go on in this story, it talks about Job is literally sitting on a trash pile, 
he's lost everything except for his nagging wife. All right? And I could say a whole bunch about that. Husbands, do not look at your wives right now. It's probably not a good idea. All right? But he's sitting there. He's through at this very moment. The agony he is in. And he still doesn't blame God. Still doesn't blame God. So why God is suffering, or so, so why is God allowing this suffering? All right, suffering is so, go back to my first point real quick, sorry. I didn't write it down on my notes. Suffering is often undeserved. Suffering is often unexpected. And suffering is often unimaginable. No matter how much we prepare, there is always something that could go wrong. No matter how much we think that we're ready for these things to come up, we're not ready. And that's because we lack faith in Jesus Christ. All right? So what is one thing when people come to you that you have said about God? Can somebody tell me? When someone comes to you in this desperate midst of suffering, what is something you say? Anybody? Anybody want to talk? I'll pray for you. Okay, what's something else you'll say? Sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, anybody else have anything? Let's pray. Anybody else? We always come up with super cute sayings, right? God will never give you more than you can bear. Everything happens for a reason. Who's used these ones before? All right? And we always use things out of context. This is a cop-out. All right? We don't say, yes, God, thank you for allowing me to go through this. We always put our head down and say, God, why are you allowing me to go through this? Instead of praising God through the moment, we always put our head down and ask, why are you allowing me to go through this? And when we start to think this way, we start thinking, well, these other religions might sound good. Hinduism, all right? Hinduism, it's about karma. Who here all says karma is going to come get you? Who says that? I've heard that before. It drives me up a wall. Karma got him. Man, that drives me so, so mad. Buddhism will... will uh, will tell you that your suffering isn't real. All these other religions have this terrible answer. Atheism says there is no God because all of this wouldn't be happening right now. And that's so true. Other people will say, oh, you're just unlucky. Ask my wife what she thinks about the word unlucky. She cannot stand it. Is there answer to the why? People never give an answer to the why. Are we asking the wrong questions? We don't get a why, but we get a what. All right, so what? Back to the Daniel Stonebreaker story. I said that something amazing happened out of that story. So last week we talked about prayer. And we talked about this specifically in my group. But after Daniel Stonebreaker, he was one of the guys that committed the murder. He's the one who churned himself in, and he churned the other three in that committed the murder. And while he sat in the jail cell, 
jail cell, jail cell all by himself, he heard God speak to him, and he accepted Jesus Christ at that very moment. It took that tragedy of those four young boys to get Daniel's attention to know that he needed a Savior. Did those four boys have to die? No. But Daniel went on and he told me that once he accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, he saw how many times God called his name and he did not answer. How many times has God called you and you haven't answered? Who here God has asked to do something, but we refuse to do it? Who here has God put right in the middle of a crisis and we churn and walk away? Who? Anybody man enough or lady enough to raise their hand? I will. I've been there. It's very uncomfortable. You don't know what to do. You don't know where to go. But Ralph said it earlier. He just prayed. Just prayed. And that's one of the most amazing things we have. We have the opportunity to pray every single second of every single day. And so many times we don't take that time. Romans 8.28 says this, We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. Joseph, who you guys know the story, suffered, all right? He was taken away, and he says, um, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. God uses these things in life to get you where you need to be. Some never get there. We celebrate Jesus on the cross, but we don't get there unless Jesus is crucified. So even something so bad as Jesus being crucified led to the resurrection. And next Sunday, that's what we're celebrating is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But you know every Sunday we should be celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Not just one day a year. Every single day we should be celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But he had to be crucified before he could get to that part. So something for someone that lived a perfect life had to go through suffering so that we have the opportunity for eternal life. The who. We have a Savior. He left heaven, came to earth, lived a perfect life, and we deserved hell. But because of his suffering, we now have the opportunity to go to heaven. Hinduism, their God doesn't comfort you. Buddha, that God doesn't comfort you. Allah will not comfort you, but Jesus Christ will never leave you or forsake you. Never. Never, ever will he do that. The when. We got a promise that he will always be with us. We get a promise that he is right here with us right now. There's a quote that this David Platt says, and I want to read it to you. It says, it may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, and it may not be 10 years from now. And it may not be in this life at all, but there is coming a day when the King of kings and the Lord of lords will literally wipe away every single tear from your eye. 
and a place where there is no more sin, no more sorrow, and no more sickness, and no more pain, no more suffering, because it's gone. That's the hope we have as Christians. That one day all this stuff, all this suffering we go through will be gone when we get to heaven. That is our hope. So through all this, in the first 20 verses of Job, I want you to go and look at Job 1, verse 20. It's so good. It says this. Then Job stood up, tore his robe, shaved his head, and he fell to the ground worshiping. In the midst of suffering, a lot of us, that's the last thing we're doing, is we're worshiping. It's the last thing that we even care to do. We'll talk about this, and we'll talk about that. We'll blame this, and we'll blame that, instead of hitting our knees to worship. I talked about this is specifically with our prayer life is we will come up to the altar when things are bad, when things are not going our way. But when life is like it was for Job and Job hit his knees every day, went to God for his children's sin, when these hard times came, he already was in practice of worshiping God. So it was natural for him. It didn't catch him off guard. He loved Jesus, loved God through all of this. Do you know in the next 30 chapters of Job, God goes completely silent? doesn't talk to him, doesn't do anything, and Job still worshiped him. The first thing we do when we feel God has abandoned us is we leave. Well, I ain't going to church no more. Why would I do that? Why would I read my Bible? Why would I do all these things when Jesus abandoned us? When God abandoned us, Job still worshiped through it all. Right now, where we are, if you are a saved individual, you, as, you are as close to hell, that, you are as close now to hell than you'll ever be. But here's a sad, sad statement. If you're not saved and you don't know Jesus, this is the closest you'll get to heaven right now on this earth. Just let the, think about that just for a minute. This is the closest an unsaved person will get to heaven. And this is the closest we'll get to hell if we've accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. That's a strong statement. It's a true statement. God never said we wouldn't suffer. Jesus had to suffer. And so as we go through this week and we read our rooted it talks about this in five 
different topics. Day one is the reality of hardship and suffering. Day two is you are not alone. And that is a very good day because it is true. Sometimes we feel so alone, so alone, but you're not alone. All these people in these, this room right now are here for you. There's not one person in this room that if you went to talk to them would turn around and walk away. You're not alone. Double-fisted faith is day three. Day four, our response, our surrender. And then day five is character like Christ. I hope as we go into this week, and some of you guys have already done a couple days. Some of you are almost finished with this week. I hope that it challenged you. I hope that you know that we are going to always go through something. At work, we like to call it, well, it's your month. It's your month. And what we say by that is, we got 20, I got 20 guys, and somebody is, we know that the trouble is going to come to them for that month, and I don't know why it happens, but it happens. And everything they touch breaks, and everything they do falls apart, and it's just their month. That's what we say. It's just your month, man. You'll get through it. And when we go through suffering, we got to look at it like that. It's just our time. It's just what we got to go through right now. God is trying to show us something. And when we go through these times, we have to learn from them. So many times it's like, woe is me, instead of, I've learned this. I'm going to worship God through this. It is so important to worship him, specifically when things get tough. But if you do it in the good times, it just comes natural in the bad times. That's why when all this stuff happened this year, well, 2020, you could literally look and see who was in their Bible all the time and who fully trusted Jesus. Because people went into panic mode. I'm ready to go to heaven. Right now, I'm ready. I am ready to see my Savior. So all this stuff that happens on this earth, when it's bad, I don't really care. I'm going to be that news reporter out in the storm being like, let's go. All right? I'm going to be that storm chaser because I know where I'm going when I die. I know that Jesus is waiting. I know that he's there for me. Do you know that? Do you have that in your heart? Do you know that no matter what happens, job loss, all right? We have a friend that just lost their job, all right? I've had it happen to me too. It's not a fun thing, but we knew God was in control. And do you know that? Do you know if you lost everything when you go home, do you know God's still in control? Do you believe that? We say we believe it until it happens, and then we find out exactly where you are. Not us per se, but God does, and God already knows that. So if we stay in our word and we stay on our knees and we give him all the praise and worship he deserves, 
going through these times are easier. It doesn't mean they're not hard. They're just easier. So in the midst of suffering, know that Jesus is with you. Know that he is right beside you. Know he doesn't leave or forsake you. But he's trying to show you something. And whatever that something is, I may never know, you may never know, but it's there for some reason. The whole Hollingburg massacre, why in the world was something so senseless for three knickknacks and $43 did four young men have to die? I don't know. I don't know if that was for Daniel Stonebreaker's salvation. He was saved through that. But that's hard. But know that God is with you. Know that he loves you. But you know, you don't know Jesus until you know him in your heart. So I want to say this. If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you got to do that right now. If you accepted him but have walked away, you need to come back. He is waiting with open arms. He loves you no matter what. All right? He was beaten on a cross. He was beaten and crucified on a cross for us. And he rose again. That's what this whole next week, what we're going to talk about, um, as this week goes by, you guys will hear all the stuff about Passion Week. And there's so much that can be talked about in the Passion Week. What day was Jesus crucified, and why is there two Sabbaths? And there's all these things that go with Passion Week. But you know the most important thing about Passion Week is Jesus rose from the dead. That's the most important thing. And then the next important thing is, have you accepted it into your heart? That's really what it's all about. And then you dig into your word, and then you let God talk to you. And when suffering comes, embrace it. Worship him through it. We're all going to go through it. Every one of us is going to go through it. Somebody's going through it right now in this room, I guarantee. Someone's going through some type of suffering. Marriages are messed up. Somebody might be jobless. All right, somebody might be on the verge of losing their home, their cars. Someone is going through it right now. But know that Jesus is with you. He is right here. Let's pray. Dear God, Lord, we thank you so much. Lord, we ask that as we go through this week, Lord, we ask that you'll just watch over us. Lord, as we go through this week, that many people will ask questions. Many people will doubt the Christian faith this week. But Lord, one of the greatest things about this week is it gives us such an opportunity to talk about you. And not only does it give us an opportunity to talk about you, but Lord, it gives people the opportunity to ask questions. And Lord, I pray that as this week goes and as the questions come, 
Lord, that we can answer them the way you'd want us to answer them. And Lord, we pray that if there's someone that is in this room, Lord, that is going through some suffering right now, Lord, that they can hit their knees and worship you. Lord, I know that in my life, when we've went through suffering, Lord, you were right there. And Lord, I thank you for that. Lord, I, I pray for those who who haven't felt your presence during their suffering. But Lord, I pray that they continue to worship you. Lord, I just ask that you can just continue to be with us. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for stories that we can go to that, that talk directly to us. Lord, I thank you for showing someone like Job that lived a blameless life. And Lord, that, that you allowed him to go through such suffering. Lord, that you allowed him to still honor and praise you. Lord, we love you and we thank you for all that you do. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
she hasn't learned the nod yet. <laughs> anyway, that song was so good. Lead me in your love to those around me. Encourage those young ladies. I know there is no way that at 16 years old I'd have came up here to talk, might as well sing, but just encourage them. And as we go out this week and as we look at everything that is going on around us, and there's a lot, God is going to give you the greatest opportunity this week to tell someone about him. It's going to come up. Good Friday is going to come up for sure. All right. Easter Sunday will come up for sure. And those are doors that God is opening wide open for you to have that conversation. And a lot of times when those doors open and you start talking, people try to shut them immediately. And the first thing they're going to bring up most of the time is the bad in their life. They're going to talk about, I can't go to church, the building will collapse. Well, if that's the case, the building should have collapsed when we all walked in today. Because we're just as bad as they are. They will try everything they can to get that subject off the table. And without me telling you to press the issue, I'm going to tell you press the issue. Press it. Make them talk about God. Specifically when they're the ones who brings up the subject. Because that's God talking to them. And them reaching out but don't know how to reach out. Tell them. All right? There will be a lot of keisters, they call them. That'll be in church next Sunday. That's we only attend on Christmas and Easter. They'll be in services all over this country this coming Sunday. And hopefully someone you have the opportunity to talk to this week ends up in a church. And hopefully you told, tell them about your Savior. And when they bring up suffering and they talk about that's why I don't. Tell them a story of your suffering. Tell them a story of how God brought you through a job or losing, losing of a job, losing a house, losing a car, losing a child, losing a parent. Use those and show them that, yes, it even happens to me, but God never left me. Because so many times we only want to talk about the good things in our lives, which obviously is a whole lot easier to talk about. But let people know what God has brought you from. Some of the greatest salvation stories I've heard, they're all great, by the way. All right, even if you don't have this big one, you were saved at six and you really never had a struggle. But just to hear what God has pulled people out of drug abuse, um, 
just all kinds of crazy things that you would never think that they went through. And then they say, I did, but God saved me from that. You guys have that opportunity to be that witness this week. You guys have that opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus. This week is going to be the best week for you to do that because people are going to ask questions. So let's pray. Dear God, Lord, we thank you so much for this day. Lord, we just ask that you continue to be with us. Lord, I pray that that door is open and wide open this week, Lord, that not only one person but multiple people will have the opportunity to speak to this week about your son Jesus. And, Lord, someone that lived so perfectly, Lord, that did not sin, was still crucified, beaten beyond recognition. And, Lord, you were right there. But, Lord, the greatest part of that story is that Jesus rose from the dead. And, Lord, I pray that we can talk about that specifically when people talk about suffering, how you suffered for us when we didn't deserve it. Lord, I ask that you'll just continue to be with this church. Lord, I thank you for our young ladies that were able to come up and sing this morning. Lord, it's just an amazing thing to see them get up here and sing their hearts out for you. And Lord, we just ask that you'll just continue to be with each person in this room. Lord, we pray that we can always worship your name. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Have a good week. This podcast is a ministry of Church on the Rock, building his body, breaking our barriers. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at www.churchontherockbb.com.